This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great Gangster Pete. Yo, what's up, Gangster Pete? What's up, Tim? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a program in which you send in your questions, your comments, opinions, and recently, your erotic stories. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful trend we have, and we have Deeb's to thank for being the Lewis and Clark into our erotic story frontier. We have more of them. As, I, as I'm as i sitting here talking, more emails are coming in. As we speak, more emails are coming in. As we speak, and the one that was sent, I, Pete and I are talking at 1034 in the morning on October 5th, 2020. And at 1033, I received a That's What Friends Are For MFF. Oh. At least it's an MFF. I'm anxious to see where it goes. These emails are coming in so fast and so furious. Uh, we're grateful for it, though. I love it. I love doing the podcast. I had somebody, I don't know who the hell it was last week, say so I can just tell you love doing the podcast so much. I love doing TMA. They can tell I love doing the podcast so much, and I'm uh, grateful that the podcast has caught on and people are enjoying listening to it. Pete don't uh, Pete and I don't just do this one now. We do the Pick 6 podcast as well. That's with producer Joe, G-Unit, Pete, and myself. So we have two podcasts a week for you here on the Tim McKernan Show. And at some point, we will get back into the guests as well. In the meantime, and we don't do the guests because we can't have people in um, for interviews or people are not inclined to come in for interviews, and I don't think the interviews are good when you're, as good when you're doing them um, remotely with with somebody who is used to being interviewed. I think you get better stuff when they're in person. So I digress. Here's what we have going on today. We have a bunch of questions. We have a bunch of comments. Apparently I have erotic stories, so that's great. Um, and two things I want to make sure I promote from uh, all of our uh, ventures, and that is start off with this uh, sound story. That is the name of the um, company that we started last year, about this time last year, actually. It was probably 11 months ago. Uh, in which we interview, um, well, I guess I interview family members. Um, that's what it's, that's what it's at least started out to be. I think eventually if this thing continues to grow, we, people will see that it doesn't just have to be parents or grandparents. Um, I, I think something for the holidays, for example, and this is what my brothers and, and sister did last year for my parents. Uh, we all came in, the four of us and recorded um, something for our parents, talking about our childhood, our experiences with our families, our favorite memories. Um, that was something that my parents, as you can imagine, they, they loved having that to hear all four of their children reliving their childhoods and talking about their appreciation. 
So if you're looking for a holiday gift idea, and I realize you're like, it's October 5th, man. But here's the thing. We can only do so many of these. And so what's happening now, and uh, Pete and I talked about this because we're scheduling these things already. People are booking now for the holidays. Um, so if you're interested, email me, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Now, whether you want to get one and uh, just buy it now and then give it to your mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, your parents as a couple. We've had that uh, circumstance where people bring in their parents um, and they tell their stories. Uh, you can do that and then give that to them for the holidays. Or if you want to give them something for the holidays, you and your brothers and sisters or whoever can come in and uh, and and do what me and my brothers and sister did last year. Um, we don't have a website set up for it yet or an app, but you just email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. I uh, reply, and uh, we set up a time, and you come in, and we knock it out. Gangster Pete emails you the link, and you have it forever. I got an in-person testimonial about these today or this weekend. What happened? I went I, to I, uh, I went to my buddy's birthday party. Deeves. No, different different buddy. But his dad did one of these, and all of his sisters were at the party, and they were just talking about how great it was and how it's they've such a listened good to it several I, times. I, I, I love hearing that. I, I say it over and over again, so I'm going to say it again, but it's I know some people will be hearing it for the first time. I love what we've been able to do with TMA, I, it, no matter what. I mean, at this point, it's 16 years. It's, it's, in, it's in the books, and who knows how long it'll go. Hopefully another 16 years, but I have no idea. And it's been fun, but this to know that this means something to people and people will always have their loved ones' stories forever, it has just been so fulfilling in addition to something that we make money on. Listen, I'm not running a charity here. Uh, Pete gets paid for this. I get paid for this. It's it's a business, but I love doing it. It's 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 one of the rare things where you make money, but you and when we do them, I always get done with it. I go, God, that was so good. I loved it. Uh, and you know it means something to the family members and then the person that they know that their story is there. Like when I got done doing the one with my dad, I'm like, it's there. It's done now. It's always, we will always have that. We will always have that. No one can take that away. When I did it with my brothers and sister for my parents, and I'm like, my parents, no matter what, because usually with the way people hear about these stories, it's at a funeral or a wake. And now they have heard us talk about our appreciation and our love for them while they're able to hear it. And so, you know, in, in, in the reason we kind of tamped it down earlier in, in the years because you had COVID going on, not that it's not going on now, but it, it was, you're kind of marketing it. Like you don't want to regret it, that you didn't do it. And then we were like, Oh, that's kind of morbid considering everything that's going on. And, it, and not to say that it's changed materially, but I think people have a different mindset perhaps right now. And so just to get it done and somebody comes in or they can do it remotely. We can do it over, um, zoom, um, or what are we doing? We do FaceTime. FaceTime yeah. So we can do it remotely. Uh, and, uh, and then you always have that audio and that person's story or you talking about your parents, your grandparents or whatever. And like I said, you know, to try to give you an idea of how I think I see it expanding, um, with regard to if we would have had this going on in June of 2019, we would have opened it up to people to come in and, you know, blues fans tell their stories of, you know, the run and being with family members and perhaps family members who have passed and what it would have meant to them and why they became fans of the blues and what it was like to watch them go to the cup finals and win the cup and the emotions. And you always have that, that kind of thing. You know, if we had this going in Kansas city earlier this year with the chiefs winning the super bowl or if the Cardinals were to 
you know, win the World Series or Missouri beats Vanderbilt here in a couple of weeks and people can come in and talk about that. Something like that, Pete. There's some kind of uh, way to, or a marriage. I, I had somebody actually say, you know, my, my son's going to be going to college and I would love to do this for that. So it's not just, oh, my parents are older and I want to make sure. And that, don't get me wrong, that's where most of it has been. But I think for the holidays in particular, the thing where you have your brothers and sisters or whatever your family makeup is, come in and talk about your parents or your grandparents or family memories, whatever. That's the kind of thing. And God, it's just one of those things. Every time I get an email from somebody and they just like, God, that was so good. I'm so glad I did it. Thank you. You guys have a great thing going here. So I want to do more with it. I want to build it. Um, we talked about that too. So um, anyway, if you're interested, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. In addition, Gangster Pete is back in the lab with his fashion designs at InsideSTLShop.com. I can't wait to put that St. Louis dog's hat on my bald head. It yeah, that's good. that's going to be my everyday lid. I think so. What color is that? Is that just straight red? It's is it navy, navy with red? With red stitching, yeah. So it's red. It's not like a like a tint of red. No, it's red. So like the Chicago Bears colors. What colors would you say the Bears are? They blue and are they navy and red? Is it that simple? Navy, and I think that it's more orange. That's what I would say. Because no. people were saying it looks like the Clark W. Griswold. Well, it's the same style. Same style yeah. with the navy right. from a Christmas Vacation. Uh, so uh, the St. Louis Dogs, the name that our show, Doug Vaughn, really. Uh, has come up with for the MLS franchise. We're hoping uh, will be the unofficial name of the team. Gangster Pete has that merch uh, in addition to TMA-related stuff, but that St. Louis Dogs hat is my personal favorite, and I can't wait to be wearing it as soon as you get those things in. InsideSTLShop.com. That's where you can go and take a look at it. Speaking of holiday gifts, that's there. You knock those things out for somebody who loves the show in your uh, family. That's uh, That's there for you. As well, we thank all of our sponsors for making this thing possible. The home loan expert, Ryan Kelly, just climbed four mountains in four days. This guy's the real deal, man. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He's a really good guy. Oh, and he will save you money. I refinanced with Ryan. My wife and I went in there and refinanced in April. Immediately began saving money. Um, substantial money, too, about 20%. It's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. You want to get pre-approved if you're going to be buying a home? Homes are flying off the market. Uh, thehomeloanexpert.com, get that taken care of with Ryan Kelly. Just a great guy who is building an incredible, incredible business throughout the country now. I mean, he built it in St. Louis, you know, by leveraging everything he had. And now look at him. He's a true uh, success story, great entrepreneur, and a really, really great person who puts his uh, actions right behind his checkbook because he's out there climbing the mountains in addition to um, raising money. That's incredible. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800. He is my insurance agent. And if you have not made the switch, I would recommend it. Why do I recommend it, you ask? Well, he's on top of it. And you would say, well, I would like to think that everybody would be on top of it. And I agree with you. You would think everybody would be on top of it, but everybody's not on top of it. Uh, so much so that, that James actually checks in with me if I'm behind on something. And it's just a different ball game. And you you know that they're in your corner and they're trying to take advantage of, oh, maybe you didn't realize this and we'll have another fee. This is just not the way it is. Plus, he keeps hiring people because he wants his customer service to be the absolute best and stay there. Plus, James Carlton has exciting news to share for our listeners in the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri. And James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing 
that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there's never been a better time for listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. It's James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. All right, I am going to start with the fan page because I have been reading emails, and I got a bunch of them, but I have been kind of skipping over the fan page ones when we go too long. Let's see what we got here, Gangster Pete. Uh, I missed being able to search for Gabe DeArmond's Twitter during the Missouri game <laughs> Saturday. But then again, Saturday's loss would have been a train wreck for his mentions. It would be interesting to hear him on how getting away from Twitter has been and if that's impacted the ability to do his job at all. It's a good question, actually. I checked in with Gabe when I saw his Twitter had disappeared. I'll text him right now. You miss Twitter? Yo? Question mark? <laughs> And we'll see what he gets. I'm Here's my prediction, Gangster. I like to predict the headlines on Fox News and CNN. I'm now going to predict Gabe's text. What you got? I am going to predict, fuck no. <laughs> That's what I'm going to predict. I'm predicting two words, fuck no. That's what I'm anticipating. I wouldn't bet against that. Uh, from the colonel. If I know the colonel, and I've known the colonel for almost 25 years now, I would imagine he will write back, fuck no. Well, last time I texted with him was September 1st. We will see. I do kind of miss that. Um, let's see. Somebody's asking about why he deleted it. Uh, he deleted it. He tweeted something out about like, I love college football, but I don't love it enough to watch central Arkansas play Austin P or something like that. And it was a joke tweet and he caught a bunch of hell and he's like, okay, that's enough. I've had enough. It's just, it's like, I can't even make a joke. And I would like to tweet more. I really would, but it's, it's, I just, I can't get through once you kind of have an upside meter and then downside, you, you analyze it and it's like, well, there's no upside, but there's a bunch of downside. So then you don't do it. And I, and I, and it kind of sucks cause I would like to do it and it'd probably be, I guess, I don't know how it'd be good for my business or brand or whatever the fuck people say, but it's just like, ah, it's just, and it's, we're not on the same playing field because then you have burner accounts and it's just, you know, and I, and that's why I interact on the fan page if I do interact. Gangster Pete, uh, you don't really tweet, do you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even a public figure like you, and I don't see the upside to it. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't care. I mean, why do these people care what I think? Yeah, so. I just, it's just, it's just, I don't know, and it, it sucks, but, uh, yeah, so I think Gabe finally bailed, and I'm kind of, I mean, I, don't, I haven't shut down my account, but I just don't really do anything with it. Um, let's see. Is it better to have one night with a Columbia, Missouri nine or two Columbia, Missouri sixes? Uh, for me, two Columbia, Missouri sixes, assuming we're talking about at the same time and I'm having the less popular <laughs> M F F that's where I am. I now, of course, our definition of sixes it, that that's subjective, but I'm, I'm thinking that that will be just fine. And, to engage in the less popular MFF, that to me is a, a gimme putt. I'm going to tap that in, and we're going to move on. Uh, good four. I'll take the nine. I'm a qual quality over quantity, but I mean, I'm going to work on it with the nine. See if we can get another high-rated lady in there. I'll play. The, take the long play. Do you think Trump testing positive for COVID-19 and then subsequently leaving the hospital yesterday? Uh, and we're recording this on Monday, the fifth. So this was when he did his. Uh, drive-by of his supporters uh, Sunday afternoon uh, with Secret Service to greet people with sway voters in any way? I'm thinking no, but would like to hear your opinion. Uh, no, 
I do not think. If like if like if you were like, you know what? I kind of really like this guy's song and dance. Whoa, he took a drive around to wave to supporters on Sunday. I'm off, and I'm not trying to mock the question. I'm just saying the reason I say it that way is at this point, I just cannot imagine. And I guess they're there. I cannot imagine that somebody is really undecided at this point. I guess I'd say this. Here's where, here's where I think you could have an undecided, Pete. Somebody who has never voted Democrat or hasn't voted Democrat in a long time and is kind of caught up in something that I think is a false narrative. Um, take your pick of whatever false narrative it is. Obviously, there's a lot of, from my standpoint anyway, false narratives out there to choose from regarding Joe Biden um, and or regarding Joe, Donald Trump and going, I, I just know that this guy is, you know, I don't know what the right word for it. Take your pick of whatever adjective you would want to use. <sighs> I can't vote for him. I'm going to vote. I think that might be where people, I was kind of that way with uh, George W. Bush and John Kerry. I didn't really buy in to John Kerry at all, but I could not get over the Iraqi invasion in 2003. And I just was really still 17 years later. Um, disappointed for lack of a better term. Cause I, in the moment I'm like, this is so wrong. Um, and I felt like, okay, my vote is how I will hold them accountable, even though it will do nothing. Uh, Missouri wasn't a red state at that time. Missouri became a red state magically in 2008. I don't know what happened in 2008, but somehow suddenly it became a red state. Uh, but um, I could get, I could see that. I, so I'm sure there are some people, some people probably listening going, hey, I know you say there's no undecideds. I'm undecided. But I would imagine, I think I've said this on the podcast before, an official title of the podcast, that um, there are less undecideds at this point in in. Uh, the presidential election than at any time in our lifetimes. That's what I would say. What do you think, Gangster Pete? I mean, I don't think his drive-by is going to change anybody's mind. Right. I think uh, that debate, there might have been some undecideds. They're just like, F this. <laughs> yeah, I, I the, the, on the debate, I went into it being like, well, it's not going to change anybody's mind. I just anticipated a lot of bullshit, but I, I, I'm so numb to it by now that I wasn't going to get worked up over it. And I'm like, I guess it'll be entertaining, but I'm done with being entertained by it now because now I see that, like, you know, I feel badly that I was entertained by it back in 2016 during the first Republican debate. Like, this will be funny, you know, because I never thought it, you know, I never thought any of this. And um, and about 10 minutes in, I just was like, this is a disaster. And I was, just, <laughs> yeah. and I was sad. The rest of the way, I was sad because it's not like Joe Biden was great, you know, it's just he wasn't that. And it's just how did this fucking, how did it get to this point? How did it get to this point? I was excited to watch it. And then I was so disappointed. <laughs> it like, it wasn't funny at all. It was like you said, it was sad. I was just like, man, this is, we're in a bad spot. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's really the word I have is sad. You know, I think people may have thought that, you know, we would talk about it on TMA the next morning. We did. <laughs> and like I'd be, guns blazing on it. And I just, and I couldn't be because that's not how I really felt. I've, I've truly felt saddened because again, you know, the Trump thing is, is what it is. And you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many more times you can say, well, he's dishonest and I think he is not acting in the best interest of the country and everything is built around him being reelected. 
But hey, there are 35% to 40% of the country who are loyally supporting it. So that's that. And plenty of them are listening to this and hate me or dislike what I'm saying. So we, and everybody kind of knows the, the term you're listening to it, you know, where I am on it. But with regard to Joe Biden, that's just not impressive. You know, I mean, I, I recall I, I didn't vote for Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney, you, you know, I realize now Mitt Romney's, I guess, a bad guy if you're a Trump fan. But, uh, you know, eight years ago, he did not have uh, that, that necessarily attachment to him. Why would he? Trump wasn't running. Trump wasn't involved. And I'd be like, oh, at least he's competent. I remember watching him in 2008 debating John McCain. Like, this guy's, this guy's sharp. This guy's impressive. And he has a track record. Um, obviously, John McCain. Obviously, I say obviously, Barack Obama. Um, but this is, I mean, both of them. Wow. I wonder what 2024 will look like. I mean, because neither one of these guys is going to be president in 2024. Right. And you go, well, of course Trump isn't. But, you know, Biden isn't going to be president in 2024. I say, you know, maybe be like, no, you said he wouldn't. I just cannot imagine I still think there is value on, if you can find it, that neither one of these guys is inaugurated in January of 2021. I still think there's value on it. I swear to you, I think there's value on it. I don't know who's taking the bet. If somebody finds it somewhere, tell me. But I still think that. I thought we'd have a better choice this time four years ago, so I'm not getting my hopes up for four years from now until I see it. I have, I'd love to know how this happened as far as the Democratic side. And that's not, by the way, an endorsement of the Republican side. Um, but how did this happen? Like this, everything was geared toward November 2020, and this is what you have. And again, I understand how he got the nomination and why. I get that. I think it's wrong. I think there should be a deep dive on it, but it would be uncomfortable for liberals to go into why, because there's a why there uh, that that is that would, you know, would force some uncomfortable narrative discussing, uh, I believe. Um, but as, as far and, and take your pick, whether on the Sanders angle or on the Klobuchar Buttigieg angle, however you'd want to go at it, that this is how this happened, but how was what you had on the democratic stage, the best of the best? It, well, it wasn't. And I think that and it goes back to something we've talked about with regard to politics in general. If you have something going for yourself, uh, do you want to then put yourself and your family in the arena where you know you're going to get torn down? Is that something that you really, really want to engage in? And I think a lot of people are just saying, absolutely not. And so that's what you, that's how you wind up with this. But this is at the presidential level. Maybe the maybe the good ones are at the local level, you know? And uh, and then somehow the as they go along, just like, okay, I have no interest in now being on the national stage and having dark money taking me down and saying things that are just flat out false. I mean, just flat out false. I, you know, I don't blame people for that. You're in your, your forties, your fifties, your sixties, maybe your seventies, and you've got a bunch of money or you've been successful. That's not the way you want to want to go. Sounds awful. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like a no brainer, but then this is what we, this is what we are left with. Uh, let's see. Uh, as always, who's the last in the bottom right square. That's La Serena 69. That's becoming a traditional, <laughs> Uh, Gangster Pete, my Mount Rushmore at this moment, La Serena 69, Kayla Caden, Ella Reese, Abigail Mack. Uh, let's see. The contrast, of, uh, let's see, only a couple more on the, on the fan page. The contrast between public courses and private is vast. How much better is your overall game at Normandy versus a course such as 
GWNGL. Gateway National. Oh, uh, now I realize they're both public, but Gateway is the cream in this area. I've got to believe it's at least a five-stroke swing between the two. Question is for Tim and the captain of the RHC winning dogs. Is that Ride Her Cup winning dogs? That's you. You're, you're a captain, and you are a winning captain, sir. Woof, woof, dogs. There he is. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I. The honest answer is I've played Normandy a decent amount, mainly for TMA related things, such as the Fan Page Club Championship and the Dotum. And I think Normandy's layout is one of my favorites in St. Louis. Private courses included, by the way. It is so good. But it's going to require an abundance of money to get it to... I mean, I don't even think... I think the, you can't you can't do what you have at Gateway uh, because of just the, the terrain. And it's hilly. And... You know, I mean, it's just not who's going to put the money in there. That's just not why would you? I don't know why you would uh, from a business standpoint. So I guess the question that this gentleman is asking is like having, I guess, dirt patches and or T-by. I know normally I was at par five. Was it 15 maybe? I haven't, I haven't played it yeah, this year 15. where there's no grass. So you're teeing off of dirt. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it may. I don't know. I just I find Normandy really challenging course for me gateway i don't want to say gateway is easy uh because it's not you, you have to navigate wind at gateway for certain but as far as hitting fairways you're just going to hit a shitload of fairways at gateway and that is so advantageous i guess if you don't hit fairways in general it doesn't really matter but they're so wide at gateway and of course the course is in pristine condition that yeah that's a, that's for me i'm going to i'm going to score i play 10 rounds at gateway from the white tees i'm going to shoot an average i would guess of 77 78 i play 10 rounds at normandy white tees i would say i'm going to shoot probably 83 84 so that's that is answering the five stroke difference actually that's what i would say what do you think extra pete you were just there yeah i love normandy i mean if they could fix it up like they fixed up gateway i mean it would be one of the best courses in the state you can't buy trees like that. Those trees are awesome. Yeah. But those those trees also can hurt your score. You don't have to deal oh, with that yeah, at Gateway. Yeah. But yeah, I shoot better at Gateway too. I usually shoot in the 80s at Gateway. In Normandy, it's going to be right around 90. Michael Wellington from Nick and the Badger, who is a member at um, Westboro uh, and is a hell of a golfer, a hell of a golfer, said to me with regard to playing Westboro, which can be a torturesome experience if you don't hit the ball in the fairway. I mean, because you're in there even more narrow at Westboro than it, it, that. If you, if, if my son is interested in golf and he grows up playing that course, it'll be so advantageous because it'll yeah. make the need for hitting the ball where you intend to hit the ball. So great that it'll be in his mind that when he goes to play courses where you don't have, and there aren't going to be many more narrow than, than Westboro, uh, it'll seem like freedom. It's like when I go to Gateway, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I kind of can just hit it and it's it's going to be tough for me to you know go into the shit. It's just so wide open. You can't get careless, but it's still, it's just so wide open because you're so used to, it has to be within about a 20-yard range uh, that you do appreciate. And people who haven't played it, I think oftentimes, oh, isn't Westboro super short? Yeah, it is super short. You know, Algonquin in the area is super short. But, they're super tight, 
And so I think that is, that's the big challenge. And there's, you know, it's not like you can, anybody's got the distance where they're just bombing it over trees like Bryson. So you're just dealing with it and uh, it makes you be precise. Yeah. So. I, tell, I tell people that uh, when you play, if you play at Normandy a lot, it'll make you a better player. Oh yeah. Like, cause I, Absolutely. last summer I played with Iggy there all the time and you have to, you have to hit shots. You don't have to hit everywhere. Absolutely. You use every club in the bag there. Like, I mean, Fox run is considered, for example, you know, one of the premier courses in the area. Um, and I would say, I will, you give me 10 rounds at Fox run versus 10 rounds at Normandy having nothing to do with Normandy's conditions. And I'm going to shoot lower at Fox run. Yep. Even though Fox runs, of course, that was built to host a U.S. open. Now I realize that's because of the distance, but distance isn't really a big deal. Now I realize as you get older, it can be a big deal. Or if you slice the ball terribly you can't get off the tee but if you can get off the tee how often is it really that big of an issue like so that's the thing like when people go oh Westboro you shot I'm like yeah I mean go play and see how you do relative to par the score will be lower because it's a par 68 but relative to par it's brutal there's one par three that I would say is easy uh and it's number four the rest of them I mean they're they're the 200 some of them are 200 plus yards and they're motherfuckers. We have back-to-back <laughs> par threes, and it's just like, God, I just hope I can su- survive it, you know, maybe plus one getting through it as opposed to blowing up. Uh, I posted this on the page, but maybe you'd enjoy discussing it. Time and time again, Facebook seems to be dominated by conservative-slash-Republican accounts and voices, while Twitter seems to be dominated by the liberal Democratic side. I didn't know that. Do you agree with that? I don't know that that's... That, that, is I that don't know accurate? anything about Facebook. Like, I haven't posted anything on my Facebook in over two years. I couldn't tell you there uh, yeah i don't i don't i don't know that i saw i didn't know that. worth noting ben shapiro is almost always on this top 10 list but he is largely offline on sundays as someone pointed out in the comments of this tweet it begs the question which echo chamber is bigger louder and better at engaging and is there a chance one's base enthusiasm is being overblown while the other is being downplayed okay so then uh this is timmy recaps and he posts the link it's a screenshot from twitter the top performing link posts by U.S. Facebook pages in the last 24 hours are from Donald Trump, Mike Rowe, Breitbart, Dan, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, Benino, Benino, ben, I don't know, I don't know, uh, and I'm sure, and I know he's a conservative guy, but I don't you know, follow him, I'm just aware of him, U.S. Patriots for Trump, Breitbart, CNN, Fox News, BuzzFeed, Fox <laughs> News. Who's who? Um, so I'm trying to figure out what the question is. Cause I know Timmy recaps, uh, has great questions when he sends them in. So I'm trying to know that he's not just throwing something out there. Uh, let's see. Begs the question, which echo chamber is bigger, louder and better at engaging. I honestly don't know on that. My honest answer is I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I think both are essentially in dogma as in they are not changing. They accept wit- that which is handed down from their chosen leaders as fact. And if you challenge the fact, then you are excommunicated. <laughs> Note the religious parallel between politics and quote-unquote faith in 2020. Um, what was the second question? Is there a chance one's base enthusiasm is being overblown while the other is being downplayed? Um, I guess with that, he's asking perhaps about Biden having potentially larger enthusiasm than people are giving credit for, I would assume, because I mean, I certainly think people understand that Trump's base is incredibly engaged. I keep going back, by the way, Pete, um, and I guess we haven't recorded a podcast 
Well, we did. We recorded pick six, and I brought it up on pick six. But if you don't listen to the gambling podcast pick six, then perhaps you didn't uh, hear the discussion of it. But if I'm not mistaken, Biden was minus 120 when we did this last. And then after the debate, it got up to minus 140 or 50. Uh, no, it moved. I'm not sure the exact Yeah, numbers. it moved. So I'm seeing if um, I'm just going to Bovada while we're sitting here, only because I'm going to go into some polling data. Um, that again, I, all they have on politics on Bovada is who wins the next presidency. By the way, AOC is plus 300, and I will short that all day long, all <laughs> day long. That is not happening. Um, Joe Biden is also plus 300. I will short that all day long. Kamala Harris plus 350. I would bet it. I would bet it. Is, AOC's not even old enough, is she? <laughs> I mean, I think Bovada just is like some guy, you know. Uh, all right. Um, the reason I bring it up is I saw NBC Wall Street Journal's latest poll is uh, Biden. I think it's 53-49. Or excuse me, 53-39. If you have a, a, a presidential candidate polling in the 40s, uh, low 40s, it's problematic at this point. In the 30s, it's as far as winning. It is, you know, that is. I don't. I don't even know if it's happened. I guess it probably has, but 39 percent. Holy shit! But yet, I still think I'm not as because we've both been saying we think Trump's going to win. I'm starting to move off of that. Oh no! They're gonna crush you. They're gonna crush you. Who's gonna crush me? <laughs> just when when he wins, you're just oh, gonna no, be no, more no, crushed. I'm not, I'll make it clear. I'm not saying he's. Not, I'm not gonna. I'm not moving to Biden's going to okay. win. I'm not as <laughs> confident that Trump is going to win as I was a month ago. All right. That's where I am. To be clear, uh, I thought you said I was gonna because I I try <laughs> to get done with this podcast and go. Oh, I won't receive a bunch of AOL and Hotmail account emails. That's right. what I just like. Cause, yeah, just I don't want to deal with it. So uh, I didn't think I was saying anything damning there. That's that's where I am. But I still certainly could see him winning. Now, let me ask you this along those lines. Have you seen now you live in Soulard, right? So you probably wouldn't see a lot of Trump signs there. But when you're driving around. And I I don't know where you're driving around. Uh, do you drive around anywhere outside <laughs> of Soulard into uh, Normandy for your uh, Ryder Cup captaincy? No, I mean I drive drive to Kirkwood hey, every Kirkwood morning. The show back yeah. home. Uh, but I yeah I see a lot more like Black Lives Matter Biden stuff in Soulard. I see, I I saw one. I drove from the golf course to pick up food last night, so I was driving through Glendale to pick up food, and then went back to my place. And it was a uh, holy shit to see a Donald Trump sign. Right. I saw one. It's on Sappington. Um, and I'm stunned by how many Biden-Harris signs I see. And this, and so people might go, oh, you're in Kirkwood slash Webster, and it's, you know, whatever stereotype you'd want to apply to that. Um, and I would, and I'd, I'd have to say, though, I wouldn't necessarily apply a stereotype per se, but I would tell you that living in Kirkwood in 2008, uh, I certainly saw way more Obama-Biden signs than McCain Palin then. But this ratio is in another world. The thing that I would include is um was in was in Southside and in Afton, uh so South City and Afton on Saturday, and I saw a shitload of Biden Harris signs there. That surprised me. 
seeing Biden, Harris signs, and Webster and Kirkwood doesn't surprise me. Now, I'm not out in St. Charles. Uh, I'm not out in, in Chesterfield, um, where I would think you would see a lot of Trump signs. But the for what I, this is only me, this is, there's no data on this whatsoever. It is eye-opening to me, because I recall when I would head, I actually wrote about this on Inside STL, when I went, I guess, south of, I guess, Watson, so, you know, which is right there in Kirkwood. I mean, it's right on the border uh, in 2008 and how many, how I never saw an Obama sign, but I saw a bunch of McCain Palin signs just by going south of Watson. It's a, it's a fucking amazing <laughs> thing, really. It's an amazing thing. And that was 2008. That's not the case this year. And I'm seeing Biden-Harris signs in places that you wouldn't, at least I wouldn't necessarily think I'm seeing them. But here is my question. Is that reflective of Biden-Harris being this 14-point, you know, at this moment, national polling, which means nothing. It's like getting a Missouri poll. It doesn't mean anything. Missouri's going to Trump. At least I fully expect it. But, you know, where are we with take your pick of whatever battleground state? That's what matters. So when you see these national polls, it's just, it's, it's noise. Or is it, Pete, reflective of people not being comfortable putting a Trump sign in their front yard. I think that definitely has something to do. With and that's that what I sure. think too. That's what I think. That's what I think. But I did notice a lot more Trump stuff when I went to Columbia, as I was getting more further and further outside the city, you see more and more and more. Yes. Yeah, so I see I'm not out there, but I mean, to see it in like, like I said, Afton, so South County, right. South city, I'd be curious. I guess I haven't been down to my parents' house. I guess was there last week, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. I was down there Friday. Right around St. Louis Hills. Yeah. Do you see anything? Uh, I saw mostly Biden Harris. Really? More than anything else. Yeah. See, that's interesting because that, that I mean that's a Catholic neighborhood, and Joe Biden's Catholic. Uh, but the abortion thing. I definitely saw both. You did see Trump signs. Yeah. In St. Louis Hills. Okay. So I so I don't know if I don't know if that's what it is. You know, I've seen this one sign. I don't know if you have you seen it where it's like it's clearly Trump's whatever's going on with his hair, and then it just says no under it. That's a sign I've seen. Have I've seen, seen the one that says by Don. I haven't seen that one. It's like Biden, but by Don. Ah, gotcha. Um, I don't know. I can't get odds on it. So they don't have anything. By the way, for uh, Elizabeth Warren's plus eight hundred, Bernie Sanders plus one thousand, Michelle Obama plus one thousand, Andrew Cuomo plus twelve hundred, Pete Buttigieg plus fifteen hundred, Michael Bennett plus two thousand. God, of those, I mean, to me, it's Harris is like a lock. Even if Biden doesn't win, I think Harris would be the lock. I could be wrong on that, but my God, I, that, that 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 might be value. What is a, what Bovada holds onto my money for four years? <laughs> yes. Seem like a great way. Of, um. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Timmy recaps is a good question, but, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to said question. All right. Let me see what else I got here. Uh, can you begin to cite the last as you post? I guess he's talking about La Serena 69, who's clearly gaining headway with the, uh, listeners. All right. Let me go into the emails, but before I do, um, let me tell our audience about design air heating and cooling and what Seth Goldcamp. Uh, and his incredible company uh, are doing for uh, first responders, especially with everything that has gone on in 2020. This is just first class. This, this is, I mean, I'm a client, and they're obviously an advertiser, but this is just, this is something I would talk about even if they weren't. Free furnace tune-up 
to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. For teachers, nurses, doctors, law enforcement, firefighters, that's what they're doing at designairservice.com. So to schedule your free tune-up or to get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. No strings attached. No other purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank all of the frontline workers for their extraordinary efforts in 2020. So if you are a frontline worker, go to designairservice.com and they will do a free furnace tune-up for you to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. How about that? Seth Goldcamp and his incredible staff at Design Air Heating and Cooling. Before we started this podcast, I was out in the parking lot wrapping up my uh, paperwork for my new whip that I got from Munganest, St. Louis Acura, where precision meets performance, conveniently located a half mile west of 270 at the corner of Manchester and Mason. St. Louis Acura, come see why we are better than ever. Or you can visit Alton Toyota. That's where I got my car. Uh, to see why their new lineup is turning heads, located at 850 East Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. The Munganast brothers uh, have a variety of different stores. I uh, have Acura and Toyota in addition to others. And they, um, St. Louis Acura slash Alton Toyota, um, and uh, a large selection, a large selection of over 200 pre-owned cars, anything and everything Iggy could want as he is going to be trading it in and getting cash back for his Iggy one mobile. It's St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota, a new sponsor here of the Tim McKernan show. You want to be a sponsor of the program? Email me, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. All right. Well, we got Neurotic Story, Gangster Pete, and it's an MFF. I haven't read it. It was sent to 1033, as I said. So we'll see what we got. I'm excited. Let's go. I had been going through a rough patch, and Tammy knew it. Now, see, this sounds like an email of the day right out of the gate. <laughs> it does kind of. I want it to be real. Well, let's give it a chance. All right. She texted asking if it was all right to come by to try and cheer me up. It was another random Thursday with not much doing. So I replied with a yes. I had always had a little lust for Tammy. Great body and wonderfully naughty personality, but she had always been married. So it was always just a game of tease until recently. She divorced about six months prior and knew what I was going through. I answered her knock at the door to be greeted with her, a 12-pack of beer, and her friend Naomi. She proudly announced, I brought gifts. I told her thanks, but not really in the mood to drink tonight. She replied not to worry. The beer is for later. Naomi is the gift. This is going so far so good. Confused and bewildered, she sat me down on the couch. The two started with kissing and heavy petting right in front of me. Lots of groping and tongue-to-tongue combat. After they had wrestled each other's clothes to the floor, they turned to me. Each grabbing a hand, they led me to the bedroom where I was promptly stripped down and performed on like every man's fantasy. We spent the night exploring each other like it was scripted in every penthouse letter. Truly a magical night. I'd made several attempts at reliving that encounter with those two before settling down, only to be rebuffed with a reply of it was a one-time thing we wanted to try. Sadly, never happened again, but I am left with the memories of one amazing evening. I've never told Riplets about the encounter because he knew the two lasses quite well, but after 14 years, he'll finally hear the story through the dulcet tones of Timothy Michael McKernan. Thanks, boys. Love the show. That's from HR. Who the fuck's Ripplets? <laughs> Somebody said Ripplets on a previous one, I think, in one of the emails. The hell's going on? I'm not Guys sure. are communicating with each other <laughs> yes, through me reading their emails? So. No idea. Well, I'm happy about it. Yeah, that's the thing. Once once it's a thing. It's like, I, like I've never done cocaine, contrary to what you'd think, listening from 2004 through 2006. But my friends who 
have or may still enjoy it say it's like once you have it, you constantly want to chase it, which is why they would advise me not to fuck with it. And so having had the good fortune of some of these experiences, once you have it, it's like, well, I'd kind of like to have that again. But then if the person who has participated, or in this case, the people who have participated are not, are like, well, that was a one-time thing. Now you're almost like, ah, you, you want it again. You got to get it again. So I understand. And I hope Ripplets, whoever the fuck Ripplets <laughs> is, also understands. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Tim and Pete. What is your favorite TMA inside joke or TMA specific humor? It can be new, old, obscure, or well-known. Some of mine off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing some big ones. The male-on-male erotica, especially the kind that happens in the bathroom and the effects <laughs> such tales have on Doug, specifically Bryce Chandler Hill bottoming for Joe Simpson, a married father, as well as a Baptist minister. <laughs> Tim installing a Pavlovian-styled conditioning tactic to get Mike Lee to hang the phone a few years back. <laughs> well, we all have stories that did get him off the phone. Ah, uh, the cat being such a deadpan professional smartass and how he can get under someone's skin so easily and effectively, especially Iggy and at Prod Joe. Side note, the cat smartassery was the reason I got into TMA 10 plus years ago and I just wanted to say I miss him. Let me get a tour of that manure. Thanks. That comes from <laughs> D. Uh, Gangster Pete, what do you have? I think it's a combination of all that stuff that makes the show great. But, like, some of my favorites are the the foul ball situation with the stepdads. Nice. I think that's hilarious. And then anytime Iggy gets mad, it just cracks me up. Like, I love it. So, and then I, I do miss the cat. Like, he was so good at, like, cross-examining Iggy's stories. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that a lot. So I hope, I hope that comes back. I still... I still believe, and maybe I shouldn't say it because I have like people are like, oh, he was hinting at it. People analyze yeah. what I say on here as if like <laughs> it's like playing a Beatles album ba backwards. The reality is, it's me and Pete talking in the studio, and there's no <laughs> fucking plan. I think most people know, but just for the record, there's. I don't know if we'll all be back together. I know I talk about it. I certainly talk about it. Uh, I know there are people I would describe as investors who certainly like the idea, um, but. Uh, I have no idea, but I do miss it. That's for certain. I, and listen, I think Matt Rocchio has done a hell of a job yeah. on the drops, and it's not a reflection of Rocchio, but just like like the fact that I hope like somebody texts in the Plowboy is on Tiger Board seven fifteen <laughs> this morning talking shit about Missouri football. I'd gotten a direct message from someone saying the exact same thing right before you said it on the air. It's, it's like it's so great that it's it's not it's not a character. That's the thing. It's, not, it's a real thing. I mean, he's so upset at Harrison Bader, the Cardinals, <laughs> and for whatever reason, he loves Missouri to poke football. Mizzou fans. Yeah, I mean, the, the Mizzou fan is for whatever reason, and I have no <laughs> idea why. And we're both Missouri fans. Yeah, but it's like it's almost like what happened with the Republican Party, where Rhino became a thing. Right. It's like, well, he's a Missouri football fan in name only. He's not really, a, and I guess to be a real Missouri football fan, you have to sit there and like spin bullshit no matter what. And it's like, I'm not going to spin bullshit. If it's bullshit, it's bullshit. I'm not going to talk about it like it was good. Fucking bullshit. But both of us going into the season were kind of like, ah, well, first off, I didn't think they were going to play. Right. And then secondly, you, who was hopeful at the very least that, we, that they were hopeful that they were going to play. Yeah, we both didn't really have expectations. So I'm just happy to be able to watch college football. And yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, what's he going to do? He's playing Alabama at Tennessee, who's much better, and at LSU to start. And then you get Vanderbilt, but then you got 
I don't know what the hell. It's Florida and then South Carolina and Georgia. I mean, now Mississippi State, a team that beat LSU, but then lost to Arkansas. Now Arkansas who beat Mississippi State. I mean, you just where, <laughs> where do you have the wins? I just view having Mizzou games on TV at all as a bonus. Yeah, right I just now. enjoy like, turning it on. Yeah. I don't, you know. I have a dog in the fight, and that's fun. I, know I guess one thing I, know I don't like about college not football win. Is, this, is the spinning. It's, it's an odd thing. Like, you know, like the Barry Odom... Well, look at Barry Odom's defense did against Mississippi State. It's like, okay, he was here for, what, four or five seasons, and it was obviously not working. And, yeah, maybe he's a great coordinator. There are guys in the NFL, for example, who have been terrible head coaches, but you look over on the sidelines like, oh, yeah, he used to coach the Lions, and now Spagnolo. he's a defensive corner. Spagnuolo would be a perfect example. It just might not be his thing, but he can still be a great defensive corner that doesn't, like, go, oh, well, they beat Mississippi State, so those three and a half hours invalidates the four years that we had in uh, Columbia. Was it five years? 2016, 17, 18, 19? I thought it was four. Four? It might be five. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, to answer uh, D's question, the way it is for me with regard to the show, I know I... Here's, here's how I would answer it. And I don't necessarily have specifics, but this is what I found. The lack of self-awareness of the people with the microphone is the key. <laughs> and that's there's been a common thread of that since the start of the show and the fact that everybody participating and I would now at this point include all of the listeners, all the listeners, I'm sure maybe there's one who drops in, you know, like after a playoff game, like how come they're not talking sports? But at this point, the listeners get like, it's like if you tuned into the daily show and go, hold on a second, this guy's doing the news, but he's not really doing the news. Like you get the joke watching the Colbert report back then. Like what? what? This guy's, serious like if you don't get it then it's not for you but we don't care we don't want you you know <laughs> so fuck off and go listen to 101 it'll be great for you uh but this is the common thread people getting shit and giving shit and everybody's cool with it that's the deal and that's what i love and so the audience is in on it and that's the thing that i love that's the thing that I think, I mean, outside of working with people I really like and who I admire their abilities, uh, that's the thing that I think I will miss the most because that's just, you just won't, you just won't get that again. There's just, I mean, at least I don't expect it, uh, is I'll miss the audience's involvement. Um, and the audience is feeling an investment in it too. And, um, that's another thing you can't, you can't just create that stuff. You don't just get that. I thought that was, a, I thought it was a lightning striking one time thing with me and the cat and Martin. So to get it twice, I feel like we've been free rolling for 13 years ever since, uh, Doug started on the show. Um, so specific things like, I mean, the one that kind of became famous, but I mean, you got to go back 15 years for this, but it was just perfect. The cat deadpan and Martin kind of like, you know stir in the pot was I wanted to go to Las Vegas, but I don't know what was going on. I either couldn't get a room or, um, they were super expensive. I don't know what the deal was. And the cat, uh, so why don't we call a hotel on the air and I'll say I'm your agent and I'll get you, a, I'll get you a room. And this was back when you could just, I guess, call people and put them on the air. I don't even know if you could. Now, now we know it's a big thing to not do that, not let people know and put them live on the air. It's a huge thing. But anyway, uh, so we call Treasure Island of all places. <laughs> not exactly. Pass. Yeah, I mean, not exactly the most. By the way, it's a four-star hotel. Treasure yeah. Island so, somehow a four-star hotel. Wow. But anyway, calls Treasure Island. It's live on the air. 
and he says he's the Asian for Talon from Laguna Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was because producer Joe at the time, who was probably like in his mid-20s, was really involved in Laguna Beach. And by involved, I mean, like he was emotionally into that show. And there was a guy on the show whose name, his real name, his birth name was Talon. Talon. I Do you remember, remember that? Talon? Yes. What the fuck? I hadn't thought about there? Talon in years. Talon, yeah. And so the cat calls up and he says he's Talon's agent <laughs> from Laguna Beach, you know, talking to a customer service rep at Treasure Island. And, <laughs> and he's really making a case to get me a room and how I'm <laughs> this hot new star. <laughs> and it's going to be a big deal for the hotel to have me stay there. And he's able to stay in character. And that's the thing. Yeah. I, couldn't, I can't even tell the fucking story yeah. without breaking up. And he's able to stay in character. <laughs> Martin has, and then Martin, that's the thing about Martin and the cat and Doug. They can stay in character and not break. I'm Jimmy Fallon. I break. And uh, and 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 Martin has this look on his face. He's just shaking his head, but he has this smirk on his face because he knows it's stupid, <laughs> but he's entertained by it. And, and he's really making a pitch to this lady. And she goes, I'm sorry, sir. The lowest we can give you is like, you know, whatever, 225 a night. And he's like, I got pictures. I'll send you pictures of this guy. He is really good looking. You'll like, and she goes, sir, I don't, I don't, I don't have a need for the pictures. I don't want the pictures. We can't accept the pictures. And she goes, can you get me a lower rate? Can you get talent in there? It would mean a lot to him. He'll do you a favor if you, you know, and she goes, no, sir, I'm ending this call. And he goes, do you want the pictures anyway? <laughs> and for whatever reason, that became a theme for the early years of the show, something that stupid. Uh, but the thing that I love about it is she was unaware that she was in the joke. There was no harm being done. And then the guys I'm working with, well, like, so we're essentially making fun of producer Joe by utilizing Talon <laughs> from Laguna Beach and the fact that he's in his mid-20s as a, we believe, straight male watching Laguna Beach, a story about high schoolers in Southern California <laughs> named Talon. And, uh, and so we're making fun of him. The lady's getting made fun of, but no, nobody's having any harm done. And the cat is able to deliver it totally deadpan and make this asinine segment out of me wanting and bitching about not being able to get a room. And, and it's just the dumbest shit. It's the dumbest shit. Like I'll never go, you know what? With the hindsight, it was really brilliant. It wasn't, it was, it isn't, it wasn't, it is not brilliant. It's just people fucking off for three hours, giving each other shit. And I think that is what, I think that's what works, but it is, you know, it gets labeled like, it, you know, it's just like two, listen to two guys talk at a bar and it's not, it's because you're usually fucking nerds, you know, <laughs> and that's not usually who's sitting there at the bar, you know? Um, but this is probably more how, when you're around your friends and you're bullshitting because you're giving each other trouble, you have some people who might have an informed opinion. You'll have some people who don't have an informed opinion and you kind of know it in the conversation like, oh, so-and-so's popping off. We know this is fake or he didn't really read it or he doesn't know. And it's just, it's a, it's just giving each other shit and getting shit. And that's what I think that's the theme, but also a lack of self-awareness from the callers, <laughs> you know, who will call yep. in. A, like, what was the deal with that Raul guy this morning? Man, he called in. He's like, I want to talk politics, politics. So I made sure to tell you that just in case you didn't want to go down that road. Yeah, no, I, but I, I was like, what? I, I figured it was kind of, I figured it had to be like the name Raul. Well, the Raul was a non-diplume. He goes, you just call me Raul. Okay. And I'm just like, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll put them on because we weren't talking politics. So I figured it would be a joke. 
And then he was serious. So, but, but I mean, it wound up working because he was serious and then we're making fun of him and the audience is killing him <laughs> and everybody's in on the joke. And that's the best part about it. Everybody's in on the joke. That's the thing that I love. I know it's a terrible answer because you want specifics. Well, I gave you the talent thing. But it, like each day you kind of have an idea of like stuff that might be talked about on the air, but the stuff that's always the funniest is stuff that you, you don't no see idea. it coming. It just comes no. out of nowhere. I mean, I went in today. I came in today. You know, like, okay, we'll inevitably probably lead with Bob Gibson. Like, right. how do you not? But I, and then we didn't, and I don't even know what the hell we did talk about. I have no idea. Uh, and it's only been four hours since the seven o'clock hour as I sit here now. And we did talk about it. I mean, we did, we had a very good conversation in the eight o'clock hour on it. But I like that we don't have an obligation. And this is another thing I'll miss. We don't have an obligation to, oh, you got to lead with this, that kind of stuff, because it's organic. And then, so then, then when we are talking about it, everybody's engaged in the topic and it's not forced. Like, oh shit, we got to talk about the Cardinals losing to the Padres for the first segment. Then we'll talk about Bob Gibson. And it's like, what do we say? They weren't very good. We figured they wouldn't win. You know, they got shut out by a nine... <laughs> pitcher bullpen start i mean i mean if we had to break down the cardinals for an hour that'd oh be so my god boring. it'd be brutal and that's why i say listen i mean i get it and it's, it's, it's when i talk about 101 it's no shot at 101 it really isn't i mean 101's been on for 10 11 years and successful and so on and so forth it's just it's not what we do and so the great thing about 101 existing is those people now have gone away and they go there and that's great because i don't really want them because i don't want to i don't I, that they're a buzzkill you know, the people who comment under articles or on those like really like in, intense sports fan pages on Facebook, they're not our people. And I'm not saying that that makes them bad people. It's just not, they don't get the joke. But when we do talk about it and we are being serious, the people listening, you know, they know that it's, you know, it's, it's sincere. It's not a manufactured take to try to get people to write in or call in because we need the content. You know, I'm not watching a game pulling for or pulling against a team because it's better for me for content for the show. I'm pulling for them or against them because I have a sweetheart teaser. <laughs> Boy, that Lions two-point conversion. Wow. The life of me. I didn't realize that's how it happened. I mean, it was only, thank God it was only a $50 bet. Um, But yeah, I got shipped on sweetheart teasers, but I included them in college. Mississippi yeah. State, that shipped. As in negatively, and then Memphis and uh, SMU, SMU over that, and that was like they were like at fifty points going into the fourth quarter, right. so, and then I needed to get to sixty-five, and it didn't get there. So whatever. I mean, I'm not betting a bunch of money, but I just fucking hate losing. That's why I don't know why the fuck I bet in the first place. So stupid. You how'd you do this weekend, Gangster Pete? Uh, I did good. Did I you was, look at you? Was, were you sweetheart teasing? Uh, no, no sweetheart teasers. I was four and one on my uh, podcast picks. But do you actually bet those? I don't yeah. even remember my podcast. But I know I was on Mississippi State. I know that, and I know I was on Tennessee, but I don't remember the rest of them. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really watch that football. I was playing golf all weekend. Good for you, Ryder Cup captain. Uh, all right, now I'm going into the emails. Uh, wow, this is this is long. Let's see what we got. I see the word assassination. Oh, it's character assassination. I'm like, oh god, are we getting? <laughs> are we going down that road? All right, I think I think this guy has a track record of being good, and so I'm going through. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This is going to be good. If, if not, I'll pull the ripcord. Tim, I'm sure you continue to receive tons of emails regarding politics these days, but I wanted to look at things from a bit of a different angle and get your take on the strategy of political candidates in this day and age. 
I heard you mention this during a recent podcast, and I believe it applies to this election more so than any I can remember in the last 20 to 30 years, that the vast majority of people have already made up their minds on who they are voting for in this election. If average Joes like you, me, and Pete feel this is pretty obvious, then surely the intelligent people associated with both political parties recognize as well, which really makes me question the political strategies of both sides. No longer is the strategy of political candidates to say you should vote for me because I want to accomplish A, B, and C during my tenure in office. The strategy of political candidates currently is just to say, if you vote for my opponent, we're all going to die and there will be anarchy in the streets. Plain and simple. It's nothing but character assassination. We all saw it the other night during the first debate. It's just so sad. Do most Americans even know where the candidates stand on any issues? Most likely no, because all we hear is the character assassination of each side. You may disagree with me on this, but I honestly believe that anyone out there who is still on the fence about who they're going to vote for probably isn't buying the whole the world is going to hell if you vote for my opponent strategy. That's a strategy which is used to fire up people on the far right or far left wing of your base who already decided who they were voting for years ago anyway. So in my mind, this is a worthless strategy because you already had those individuals' votes regardless. I believe that most reasonably intelligent people just want a candidate that has an actual plan about how they're going to make things better for the greater good. Most people realize that gridlock in Congress may keep some things from getting done, but at least have a plan that consists of something other than everyone who disagrees with me sucks and will ruin our country. I think this is one of the reasons why you really liked Mark Montavani, because he actually had a plan of how he was going to make things better for all of us and didn't waste time with character assassination. With all that said, my main questions to you are, one, Number one, in your opinion, when did the strategy of political candidates change from having a plan and saying what they hope to accomplish to just constantly engaging in character assassination of the other side? It seems like this has been going on more heavily for at least the last eight to ten years. Question two, do you think we can ever get back to a time where political candidates spend more time discussing what they hope to accomplish and less time trashing their opponents? Uh, all right, question one, quick answer, when it worked. That's when it started when it worked. And I want to leave it there because I want that to be driven home. That's when it started, when it worked. You don't do it if it doesn't work, when it worked. They don't do something if it doesn't work. It works. Number two, do you think we can ever get back to a time where political candidates spend more time discussing what they hope to accomplish and less time trashing their opponents? Sure, when it stops working, um, which is another reason why what happens here in less than 30 days God, I feel like it's like, I don't wow. even, yeah. He said 30 days. It's so like, it oh, wow, you. yeah. It hits you. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, there is this, there's a, this commercial now, and they they uh, sample uh, Bob O'Reilly, uh, but it's for PlayStation. Do, right. you, do you know what I'm talking about, where the guy's in the ship moving toward the wave? No, I haven't seen that It's one. been on a lot of, like, during a lot of sports, um, sporting events. I use that flashback button, watch multiple games. Oh, and you get, and you, oh, so you're avoiding it. So, and it's like, but you got to, you got to listen closely and then you can pick up the sample. It's not right. a direct sample, but, um, and the guy is like swimming toward this tidal wave. And that's what I feel like, or not swimming, <laughs> rowing toward. I'm like, that's what it is. That's where we are heading. This, and it's, it's out there. It's like I've been saying for a while, winter is coming, which is obviously a take on the Game of Thrones thing, but you know, and, and certainly, literal in the sense that winter, the season is coming, but I'm talking metaphorically that it's coming and there is nothing we can do to stop it. And there is a sense of dread. And it's like, 
it's not even every month. It's like every like three days, there's something new where you go, oh my God, like the debate wasn't even a week ago. And I feel like it was a decade ago. <laughs> like, holy shit. Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away 17 days ago. Wow. It feels like it was, you know, in January. So it's like, this is coming. I don't think, I, I can't imagine anybody anyway, anticipates a concession speech from Donald Trump. I, I don't know if I ever expected. I don't know if I ever expected, ever expected, um, period. But certainly not on the night of the election. And I could see a Joe Biden concession speech. Um, I could, I really could. I could see it on the night of the election, actually. But I, of course, could see it. In other words, I'm not sure we're even going to have a resolution to this on the night of the election. I think That's most people say we're not. It. And so it's going to drag out. But then I think it's going to, I don't know if I want to get into this because it's going to be the whole thing. Um, so the way that this works is if you have litigation, um, a friend of mine was laying this out, and a guy who is brilliant. So this isn't like, you know, I read this on the, you know, the Cardinals 24-7 forum on Facebook, you know, where they're not happy with Dexter Fowler for any number of reasons, many of which have nothing to do with baseball. Mm -hmm. um, that, that the way that this would go down is his belief is it's already obvious what Trump's going to do. <laughs> I mean, he's not, really, he's not really hiding it. I mean, in fairness to him, he's not really hiding it. He is going to, assuming he is operating off the premise that he's going to lose, if he loses, he is going to file a lawsuit in a number of the states where he lost. And then, and I didn't know this, and I'm sure some people, I wouldn't say many, and I'm not mocking the audience. I don't know how many people would know this. There is a cutoff date. And that's why I'm hesitant to even retell this because I know I don't know it well enough. And I think the cutoff date is December 12th. reason I say that is that is when Bush Gore was, was I don't even know what the right word for it was, when Gore conceded. Uh, and for some reason, I thought that went into January, but I guess it did only go into December. Um, and December 12th. So that if there is litigation, then the way it works, it goes to the House. And then people go, oh, okay, well, the Democrats control the House, so Biden would win. But that is not the way that it works. Each state in the House gets one vote. So you have 50 votes, obviously. If there is a tie, Gangster Pete, what do you think happens? <laughs> I have no idea. Nancy Pelosi becomes your president. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Man, I'm, I'm kind of spitting knowledge here. That, that again. I want to be clear. This isn't my knowledge, but this was this was a, this was an intense discussion. Um, but right now, as it stands, it would be twenty six twenty two in favor of Trump, and it's based on the states' votes. Um, but if it is a tie, or if the state legislatures flip in the upcoming election, then the game could change. So it's not, so the thought process on the Supreme Court, people hearken back to what happened in 2000, but that, that is actually not the direction it would go first. Uh, the issue with the Supreme Court was whether or not certain ballots were to count and so on and so forth. And that's what the issue was with Catherine Harris, the Secretary of State in, in Florida. 
Uh, so that is what this person confidently believes is what is going to happen. And by the way, this person would be considered on the left without question. He would be the first one to say that he is on the left, that he believes that this is how this is going to play out. Um, and that it's obvious that it's already, he goes, it's, it's not even like a, this isn't, he goes, this is what's going to happen. I mean, it's kind of, he's not, <laughs> he didn't, he doesn't really mince words about it. Will you accept the results of the election? Well, <laughs> if, and he, so, so, uh, God, I mean, this is going to be, uh, I just, I don't know, I guess the only, the only way, but then it's not, but then I say that and then I catch myself. I was about to say the only way that things are calm in November is if Trump wins by a comfortable margin. But then you'd, then I think you have people on the left and plenty of people who wouldn't be on the left who are going, oh my God. But then people on the left would be super angry. People who would be maybe voted for Trump in 2016 voted for a libertarian, Gary Johnson, in 2016, going, oh, my God, this is now going to go on for another four years, and he doesn't have to worry about the re-election, which has been his life's quest for the last four years. Holy shit. That maybe they'll freak out. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying. The only reason I say landslide, that it's like there's no— and, and Biden concedes and says, I know people are upset, but it is important that we have— you know, we respect the results of the election, but I don't think that that, because I, I don't think Biden is necessarily a lot of these people's ideal person anyway. So I don't know if it would matter if he says that, but if you have it carry out and it goes to the house and you have this kind of way that it would go down, or if it does somehow get, you know, the lawsuits and the accusations, I mean, what, and what happens on like on election day? I mean, I think some shit's going to go on on election day. And, I, and by that, I mean, I'm not talking about like, scandalous per se. I just think it's just going to be, it's going to be brutal. I can already, it's just going to be brutal. I don't know. <laughs> How are you voting? Are you just going to go? Uh, yeah. You're just going to go. You just going to go. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's coming. It's, we're talking on October 5th and they're going to, they're going to write about November 3rd, 2020 for decades. How are you voting? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, I, I'm planning on going, but I don't know. You just know that you're going to hear, and there's going to be pictures of people who are probably just innocent as fuck just standing right. there, and then they're going to pop up on take your pick of whatever outlet. Look at this threatening, you know, person here. You know, I mean, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be something else. It is going to be something else. And I, and I don't know if we talk about it like it's how it's going to just be brutal. I saw a headline this morning in the New York Times because I'm a fucking liberal, <laughs> but I read the New York Times along with the Wall Street Journal. Um, and the Washington Post. Those are my those are my three go tos, along with SDL today. Um, and they're talking about I don't even know I should call it up the, the headline in case people really wanted to put themselves through this. Um, let's see what was the title of it. They move they update their stuff so damn often. Um, Ellie, either way, everybody is dreading the election. You know, essentially, like this is just going to be, um. You know, it's going to be fucking living hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's just the, the the way that it is, and and that's why I keep saying winter is coming because there's nothing that can be done, and I think it is going to be absolutely brutal. I just don't know how it's going to be brutal. I just feel very confident when I say it's going to be absolutely brutal. Maybe 
Maybe it won't be. I have no idea how that arrives. Do you see a scenario in which it won't be absolutely brutal? Let me, let me provide that out here. I mean, I guess I could make up scenarios that I don't think are going to happen. Like if Trump lost and then he actually was cool about it, I think that could help a lot. Do you see, do you see that happening? Like I'm not even talking about like more than 50% because I know you super hopeful that he would, but if I had to bet on it, I'd say he wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't allocate a percentage point to that. <laughs> I, I mean, wouldn't allocate a percentage point. What if Biden whips point. him? Like, it's obvious he lost. I just, I still think it's going to be fraud and all, because you're going to have, you're going to have some, you know, I mean, already, right. there's going to be, I mean, you already know how it's going to play out with pictures and, you know, voter fraud. You already have it. The person dumped off the, the Trump ballots. I mean, it's all. I mean, already. what if he's like worn out and he's kind of relieved that he lost? I guess here, here's a scenario for whatever reason he decided his health is impacted by COVID and he's like, I can't do it anymore. And I don't want to do it anymore. I actually stared down death and this is not, I'm not capable of doing it. I don't know that I suppose. Um, they may have a better chance. I don't know. I was about to say they may have a better chance of winning with Pence than, than with Trump. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't know on that. I don't know if I mean that. I was about to say it, and then I'm like, oh, I gotta maybe. I can see that. that. I don't. Do you think that the Democrats would have a better chance of winning with Harris? And you can go. Well, she already did run, and it didn't go well. Yeah, I think they would have a better chance with Harris. Actually. I mean, I certainly would, and I'm not a fan. I'm not. I'm not a fan of either. I am voting for them, but I am not a fan of either. Ugh. God. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Got any more erotica in there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I yeah. appreciate the question, but I just don't. Uh, let's see what I got here. Okay, I remember this one. I thought it'd be good. Uh, yeah, this is kind of in the erotica category, but it's not a story. It's a question. Hey, Tim started listening to the show when quarantine started. Ah, new listener. Uh, a buddy of mine has been listening to TMA for a while now, and he turned me on to you guys. Side story. He's been on the show talking about some Jenny Dell situation at a cards game when Will Middlebrooks was in town. Uh, I think I remember that, actually. I know it's super obscure. <laughs> Jenny Dell's a reporter, attractive, and she's married to Will Middlebrooks, formerly of the Red Sox. I believe he was involved in the interference play with Alan Craig seven years ago, if memory serves. Um... Anyway, my question, I'm 27, my girlfriend's 29, we've been dating about a year and a half now. We've never had the specific talk about how many others we've been with. She went to a bigger college up north, and I played a sport in college, so we've just been operating with the understanding that we've been with others. We both moved to Denver about three-ish years ago and met here. There have been times where we've been out, weddings, bars, and there have been girls present I've slept with, and she's either find out, found out about it or asked. She's cool about the topic, as we're both adults and have naturally been with others before meeting. I'm one who operates as the less I know, the better. I don't want to know at all what her number is, nor do I care. In your opinion, is this a conversation that needs to be had? What's your experience with this topic? Uh, I do not believe the conversation needs to be had. I just enjoy the conversation. I don't fucking care. I couldn't <laughs> care any less. Like, if my wife slept with 500 people, I couldn't, I just don't fucking care. It just doesn't matter to me. As a pro, this is a pro-sexual podcast, <laughs> and it's a non-kink-shaming podcast. 
Like, it just doesn't matter to me. And as far as I'm concerned, good for you. Enjoy. Like, it's a good thing. Now, if it's unprotected and we've got all kinds of issues because of that, different deal. Um, but I like, it's like, it's what people do. And I guess people would never, I don't know my number. And it's, by the way, it's, it's not because there's so many. It's just, I'm not tracking it. I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I could give you a ballpark, but I've been in like nothing but relationships for damn near 25 years. Uh, that's probably a bigger issue than my number. I don't, I just don't, th- I don't know. I'm kind I was kind of surprised by the question, especially for somebody who's 27, because I don't think it's a big deal, but maybe it is. And maybe I'm so desensitized to tying sex with emotion that I'm coming at it from a minority perspective. I just don't, I just couldn't care any less. Like if Anna Marie told me a story about hooking up with like, you know, a variety of people, I'd just be like, all right, sweet. Good for you. You know, was it fun? You know, and obviously she knows where I am with my fun and games. So I don't know. I just don't think, I don't know. I don't think it matters. I, I get how if you're older and it's become less common or it was less common then, and you're going, what in the hell? This is disrespectful or it's not healthy. I understand that. Or, or even now you could be, obviously this gentleman is in his, uh, Ja Rule is what he signs off as. Ja. Um, that it's, it's just, to me, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't care. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. I'd be certainly interested to know what the ballpark is. Just, you know, just kind of know. And then, I'd, but then they lie. I mean, isn't the, I understand like a lot, like you add it, like there's a formula or something like that. I mean, yeah, but I thought that was more like for people that are like in the middle of it than like years removed yeah, from it. Yeah. I, I, like as long as she's ride or die for me, I don't care what she did in her yeah, past. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't tie emotion to sex, which, which I guess would probably be obvious based on the way that I talk. But I really do think this, this isn't done as like a character. I really believe this. And I think I obviously think it's healthy or else I wouldn't be participating. You know, I just, I, I don't see the thought process of, cause I, I could, I could have sex with somebody right now, have zero interest in that person, but that doesn't mean I'm in love with the person. And I don't know how the two got tied together. Obviously it's happened. I think more people, I think younger people are taking a, you know, step back from that. Um, such as, such as for example, with bisexuality, the idea of two women hooking up was so foreign when I was in high school and even college. And now it's so commonplace. And as we talked about, I think in last week's podcast, it's oftentimes friends yep. that that is just not something that I experienced. I don't even, I don't even know if I can think of two girls in high school or college who did it, which is really, I mean, and you know, I mean, I realized, yeah, it was 20 years ago, but shit, you know, it's changed that much to the point that I wonder if in 20 years it will be commonplace for two guys to hook up. And I know people are immediately going, what? No way. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's possible like bisexuality. And I'm kind of like, all right, same kind of reaction. I'm like, cool, have fun, wear protection, you know, be honest with your partners. Don't that's, that'd be my biggest thing on the whole thing. Don't cheat. Don't break trust. There are ramifications to that. But if everybody's cool and they understand the parameters, then it just doesn't, from my standpoint, it doesn't matter. And I realize, I guess this sounds, maybe it sounds, um, I don't know what it sounds like. Certainly not mainstream, but I really do feel this way. 
So the question is, no, I wouldn't, I don't feel like the topic needs to be, I have no idea on Anna Marie. I don't also don't, I don't, I couldn't care any less. Um, and she didn't have any on me, but I don't, I, I honestly don't know what the number is. Again, I think I could have a ballpark, but, um, I don't, I don't know. So I, my answer is no. And as far as the topic goes, I just like, I like the topic, but I like the topic, not because I want to know, but just because I, I, if anything, I think it's amusing to tell stories with regard to sex. Hence us requesting <laughs> erotic stories that really have never been erotic. They've <laughs> always featured guys trying to bring another guy in. You're in, bro. Yeah. yeah. Or as the case was with this one earlier today with for riplets, whatever the hell that meant. <laughs> Or he got it one time and he wants it again. Uh, I like the, I like the, I like the email. I just don't necessarily share the, uh, the opinion. Although I don't know if that was necessarily opinion. So much you're asking, uh, Friday, October 2nd, 2020 winter is here. That's from the hunchback of on castle. Pete, I got that email while I was out on the golf course right? and I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and I guess what he was talking about is president Trump had checked into Walter Reed. Oh yeah. That's what I guess it was. And I'm like, and I go to Twitter and I go, what in the world's going on? And I'm so desensitized, speaking of being desensitized, I'm just like, eh, par for the course. <laughs> like, there, I guess there's some people like, isn't this just the most damning thing? Here's this guy who downplayed it. Now he has it. Now he's downplaying his symptoms. Or you have people going, oh, he doesn't really have it. He's trying to distract from the disastrous, you know, debate <laughs> performance and the Proud Boys and Melania's tapes. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I, there isn't a circumstance in the world in which I would vote for him. So, not, but, but that's me. But I also think that most people have made up their minds. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I, I do not believe this, for my money, is not winter. I think we're going to know winter when yeah. winter shows up. I wish this were winter. I don't think this is winter. I think we are going to know when winter shows up. I think we are going to see things. And read stories in the next 30 to 40 days that we will not believe we are reading in the United States. That's what I think. That's what I mean by winter. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Charlie Marlowe has just walked in. What's up, Chuck? Um, let's see what we got here. Um, I think this is a good one. Tim and Pete have been a listener of the show for a little while now, but more recently listening to the QFTA podcast. Hearing the elevated levels of hate mail received by Tim added to a recent theory I have. Reread that sentence. Hearing the elevated levels of hate mail received by Tim added to, okay, added to, added to a recent theory I have. In my view, I see it's more and more fashionable to be outraged each chance someone gets. What was previously not a big deal or frankly wasn't anybody's business now results in cancel culture or hate mail or the thought process of fuck you for disagreeing with me in its harshest sense. I know anecdotally that I have relatives slash friends who constantly complain about politics or social media or other negative thoughts to the point that it dominates every conversation they have. This crosses the political and age spectrum. I do wonder about the long-term implications of this mentality on our psychology in its most simple form my question is, do you believe Americans are becoming or becoming wired to be less and less happy? It's worrying to imagine living in a culture that constantly feels defensive, angry, or negative, and wondering your perspective in this regard. That comes from John. What a great email. I'm glad yeah. I read it. 
Um, Gangster Pete, I yield the floor to you, sir. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of virtual signaling to people. They want to get outraged and let them know, yeah, I'm on your side. But, like, when I see it, it makes me, it's like an example of what I don't want to be. Like, I see how upset or how much it controls their life and how unhappy they seem. And I'm like, well, that's exactly the opposite of what I want to do. So I go, I push the other way. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I think so much of it's social media and how you consume media. If you go out of your way to, and, and so it's tough. It's like, I said, like, it's almost like I, I got to apologize for reading the New York times, reading the editorials and basing everything on that would be like me coming in here and either basing everything I say on watching Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity. I read the stories, um, and they're sourced. But even then, I have to say, even then, I still think the way it's reported, you know, and many people were saying, just like when Trump says, well, lots of people are saying, well, if you're going to make fun of him for saying lots of people are saying, when you can't report, many people are saying. It's, <laughs> exactly. It cuts both ways. <laughs> However, when it's sourced, that's, that's where I'm getting my news. Uh, now, if I'm getting my news from take your pick of cable news outlet, then that's a different deal. I, there's so much of it, actually, it's tough to get it all. Uh, and it's, as I was saying, as I think when I was scrolling through the New York Times looking for that, that story, I'm like, it's updated so often that you can't keep track. Um, let's see. Uh, so w with that all said, here, here's, this would be my anecdote on it. Um, I was playing golf with somebody, I think probably that same day, actually, Pete, where I got the email from the Hunchback of Von Castle saying winter is coming. And I don't even know how it came up. I think he was talking about the show and he's not a listener, but one of his relatives is a listener. And it's always funny, like for guys I know, and they know what I do, but they're, they're not into the show and they're just like, Oh, you do a radio show. And then they, then they are either close friends with or related to somebody who is into the show. And then they're, then it kind of becomes an eye opening thing. Like, boy, I didn't realize that, they, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. So for 99% of the population, if they're even familiar with who I am, they're like, oh yeah, he used to do TV and he does a radio show, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but then for the 1% and that might be high who do, and then listen to it, they're all, they're all in on it. And we were talking because I didn't realize you guys like, oh God, I get this hate mail and it's, it's, you know, and, and, and it's, I, I, again, I, when anytime I talk about it, I don't want to make it sound like it's like hundreds of these things at all, because that's not the case at all. Um, I think it's more like obsessed fans actually that I would, but then they use different accounts. So with that said, he goes, so what would you get hate mail on if you guys are talking sports? And I'm like, Oh, we really don't talk sports, <laughs> but it's bullshit. And I go, politics certainly comes up. He goes, Oh, you talked about the debate. I said, yeah. I said, it's just a social media thing. I think people are in their bubbles. And then if they hear something that differs from what's in their bubble, then they think that they're being lied to. And therefore the reaction is anger. That's what I think it is. If I had to try to summarize it briefly, and he was talking about his wife and I'm not going to, cause not that anybody would, but, but either way, what she does for a living and her educational background and how she has zero social media accounts and is just totally off it. And I'm just like, I, I was hearing, I'm just like, I'm envious of that. I'm envious of that. Now, I also don't want to portray social media as the end all be all of the evil and the cause of all of this, because the relationships and the ability to communicate with the audience via social media, for me, I like the TMA fan page because I think, you know, 75% of the people on there, they're using their real names, can't control it. They're not, you know, it's kind of the, the way it is, but I can interact with people. I tweet something and people then go on their burners and they, they cause shit. 
and I don't have any upside as we said at the, at the outset, but I like to communicate. I have had some good discussions. I see the next email I'm about to read actually would be an example of that with people. And I, and I do enjoy that. And I do. And I like posting polls for where people are. Most of the time I can, you know, rarely do I see somebody post something that if I've seen them write a lot, that their opinion or what they convey is surprising, but it sometimes happens. Um, but I think that that is a source of a lot of it. I think pe people talk to people on social media in a way they would never talk to them in person. And I would go one step further, which is a way that I try to manage when I am managing with people. Pete and I, for example, we just did a deal recently regarding the merch. All right. 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 It's under the inside STL banner, the company I own and, and Pete sent over his proposal, reasonable proposal. I certainly could have, I don't know what you sent it over email. I think probably yep. could have emailed back, but I felt like I want Pete to know where I'm coming from, see my face, hear my voice, hear my reasoning, and then get together, you know, after the show and work it out. And I think what it took, I think probably less than five seconds. I, I mean, it was yeah. for real five seconds. Less than done. a minute for sure. And, but I mean, and why, why is that? And why tying it into TMA, which a lot of you are listening for, for TMA stuff anyway, why did the Jason Barrett emails on Friday afternoons drive me up the wall so much that 14 years later, I still talk about them because you're getting sniped and you're not expecting it. And I, and I don't know if the human psyche in, in watching that, uh, did you, have you watched that thing that we keep getting people recommending to us? I social start, media I thing? actually started it. I got to watch it because people just keep asking for our feedback. I thought it was good, but it wasn't really telling me anything I didn't already know. I felt that's how I felt, but I was falling asleep and it wasn't right. because of the show. It's just, I'm so fucking tired. You like know? I thought it was very well produced. Yeah, I agree with that. But, but I, 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 I also agree at the moment, but Anna Marie went on to say, she goes, it really got good. In the second half, right. you got to watch it. Well, I didn't finish it. So, so yeah. I haven't finished it. So I got to watch it. But I, but one of the things they said is the human brain is not programmed or suited to handle, you know, they showed a girl, like she posted a picture doing the duck lip shit. <laughs> uh, you know, but she's like, God only knows what she is, 14 or something on our Instagram. And it's 10 compliments. But then there's one criticism about her ears. And that's what you do. That's what you focus right. on. Um, and that's, that is human nature and it's brutal. And, um, and so if you are used to a certain way of communicating by conversation, or even on the phone. And then now the way you are experiencing communication is this landslide of people. And it's public in those kinds of settings on Instagram. Uh, that you're not you're not programmed to handle. I don't even I don't know who is. I, and in a way, it's like if you if it doesn't, if you just like if if you it doesn't bother you in any way, I would actually say that you're that you're that now you're fucked up. I guess how much it bothers you is, is the key because it bothers me, but it certainly doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Um, but it still bothers me. So, but I know that if I were interacting with these people face to face and oftentimes I do see them and like the ones I know that I'll take the shots and then I see them in person. They're like, they like hide. It's a fucking weirdest <laughs> thing. It's like, well, you were pretty tough on Facebook, but now I notice you're over in the corner, like trying not to make eye contact. And I'm like five, one, you know, what do you think about a fight? It's a weird fucking thing, but that's the way that it goes. I think that 
the Barrett thing drove us up the wall because we were like, oh, we're going about it. It's Friday at 445. The weekend's coming. Everything's cool. And all of a sudden, you get sniped, and it puts you in a defensive position. I oftentimes would say I could ask Tony LaRussa anything one-on-one, anything, probably while eating a steak, and he would answer the question. But in a group setting where there's 20 reporters around him and he's at the center, he's going to be on the defensive. And I think there's something psychologically consistent with that. So, like, if somebody were to email me and said, hey, um, you know, on your Instagram, I noticed this picture. I didn't like this, though. I didn't understand it. Could you explain it to me? That's a lot different than in public posting in the comments section, like, what's that about? Why would you do that, you know? And it, and it, and it sounds so nuanced, I think. Maybe it's not nuanced. It sounds so simple, perhaps. But the, but it's like, why? I don't, I don't know. And we, we read that story today at the end of TMA about Perez Hilton, and he's written this book about, you know, how he really regrets, and who knows if he really does regret the shit that he used to write, and especially trying to out-closeted gay and lesbian or bi Hollywood stars and musicians. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know if that's that the way that he wrote, if it set the tone for like this snark that is celebrated, you know, you just won Twitter and it's like, okay, I mean, you like shit on somebody on Twitter. And I mean, okay, you, what, what'd you get? You know, where's your check for a hundred grand? I don't get it. But that, but then if, if you were to sit with a person, you wouldn't, that's not the way you would conduct yourself. And so I just don't have any, I have zero respect for it, which is why I don't really want to participate in it, you know? Um, cause I think it's, I think it is, I think it is doing damage to people. It is hurting people. I think it is hurting people individually and I don't want to be party to it. And I'm not saying I'm on a moral high ground cause I did participate in it at times. Um, but now with some years, uh, I don't want to be party to it. And then I also don't want to, I don't want to put platforms out that people can utilize to either attack people or spread bullshit that I think can do damage to our, whether it be our area or our country. So that's another element of it. But I think the getting obsessed with it, you know, like my wife is not on Twitter and then her friends are all on Instagram and I go, don't do it. And their friends are like, Oh, you got to get Instagram. I'm like, don't do it. I'm like, she goes, why? And I go, but I guess her Instagram experience, I mean, she can make her account private. She's not doing it. But all I do at this point is post pictures of me and my son and my wife. I mean, that's all it is now. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll post on the fan page. You certainly would never tweet that shit out. You're just asking for it. And I'm even hesitant to do it on Instagram. And it's like, should I create a burner Instagram for just like the people I really know and are my friends so I don't have like some asshole post something about my son? I mean, because, you know, that's a different ballgame. They post shit about me. It's like, all right, fine. You go after my family. Now we. So I don't know. I think your question, John, is outstanding. Um, and I guess the only thing I can say is I think it's actually going to get worse in the next 30 days. I think it's because, because now you have people who are engaged, who are aware of it. And in the next 30 days, it's going to get, I think, I don't know how it doesn't get worse. Uh, and everybody's going to be aware of it and all hell's going to break loose, which sounds awful, but I, I, I don't want to sit here and be dishonest with people. This is what I think. Now, if all hell doesn't break loose, I'll be more than happy more than happy to say I was wrong, but I am so, <laughs> so certain of it. And I, and I think at this point, everybody else is too. It's, I guess the compliment we get is that we were ahead of it, you know, months ago, but 
if you would have thought, it's not like I'm like, I know things and I know this is all hell's going to work. I didn't know about the pandemic when we started talking about it. I didn't know about George Floyd. How could you? It didn't happen until May. I didn't know about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I didn't know about Trump getting COVID. How could you? We weren't talking about COVID at the time. Whatever other thing, I honestly, I guess maybe I'm naive. I can't, I, I actually was like, okay, the Merrick Garland principle will be held intact. That's the prince precedent that's set. I'm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Call me a fucking naive Mark because you got that going too. You got it all. And when we said this back in February, all I knew is that you have two groups of people who cannot possibly imagine their party losing or their, in Trump's case, their person losing. And in the Democrats case, Trump winning, um, and so the people are going to freak out when it happens, but wasn't even thinking about mail-in ballots. That is going to be the source of consternation from Trump if, and when he loses. So yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm even more confident. I mean, it's like a five-star fucking lock. <laughs> I mean, it is an absolute lock. Yeah. And I, I know Pete, you were talking about that bet. You were the one talking about the bet where you could bet like the dates or was that G unit talking about, about the yeah. dates. Now I don't have that on Bovada when, when like the ballots would be counted or when lawsuits would happen, all that stuff, you know, and he was saying, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lock. I'm like, yeah, it actually is a lock. Holy shit. But then I'm betting on disaster. I guess <laughs> it's kind of like shorting the market, you know, right. it's like betting on the housing crisis, like right. the big short. So you get something out of it, but it's like, I'd only bet like a hundred bucks and it's not worth a hundred bucks to me to watch all hell break loose. But I guess it's like, okay, if it's going to happen anyway, then maybe I should just fucking monetize it. But well, it could be limited. emotional risk management. Yeah. I mean, if I bet a number that doesn't like actually financially harm me and then it doesn't happen, I would be thrilled because I'm on hold with so many different things right now because of this, because I'm so, it's just like, when is it going to be over? And I'm not even talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about this stuff. Uh, all right. It's 1210. This is when I start wrapping up because I feel bad for gangster Pete. This is good. And this relates to what I was talking about with John's email regarding hate mail and all of that stuff and, and negativity and people consumed by politics on social media. I asked a question, um, regarding, and you may remember this from last week, Pete, how, like what, what appears to be an incredible dichotomy of Catholics slash evangelical Christians blindly supporting president Trump because of the abortion issue. Right. And I asked the question, I realized, of course I can type it in a search engine and get it. Um, but we're on, you know, recording this quote unquote live, live on tape. And, uh, I said, well, I wonder when that started because Roe versus Wade was 73. So it, it, it couldn't have been going on in 72. It couldn't have been going on in 71. I know my, uh, my grandfather, for example, um, Irish Catholic, obviously, but they voted for Jack Kennedy. Why Irish Catholic? Well, Joe Biden's Catholic, but you don't have a lot of Catholic support for him. Why? Because of the abortion issue. So I was curious how it tied in. And a gentleman sent in, I don't know if he wants his name read, uh, but I read it. It was outstanding. I posted it on the fan page. And that's what I'm talking about, that kind of thing. It's not my opinion. Here is a link with historical data and sources, here is how it happened of, on how, uh, how the abortion issue became tied to um, evangelical Christians. And I don't know how it started with Catholics, but it was a great story. I posted on the TMA fan page. When did you post it? Oh, let's see. It's Monday, probably Wednesday or Thursday last week. 
I'll check it out. Um, and I know some people immediately, NPR, well, it's NPR, so it's got to be. And it's like, it's, it's just people talking and saying, well, here, this this happened here, this happened here. And it's not like shitting on people for it. It's explaining what happened. Um, and it actually ties to segregation in schools. Uh, I think a school in Mississippi, actually. And, and the Republicans were so lost after Watergate and all that was going on, probably with Vietnam and Watergate, uh, that they were looking for some way to try to, and this was, this was what they figured out. And, and since then, but it wasn't initially, it wasn't immediate. It took a few years because, and this is really an interesting part about it, is that evangelicals actually were more pro-choice initially, which sounds, I mean, it sounds like a joke. It sounds, it doesn't sound real. Now, on the Catholic angle, I don't know, because uh, this is titled Through Line Traces Evangelicals History on the Abortion Issue. I don't know on the Catholic one. I just know, like I said last week, that it, Tam and Nottingham, driving by St. Gabriel's every January, I guess, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, that they would have the crosses out there and how many, you know, they called, babies had been murdered. And, the, and I'm just like, how did this, because obviously this wasn't going on during the time of Jesus. So how did this get tied to it? And you go, well, I mean, of course you want to protect those who can't protect themselves. And these are lives. And I'm just curious how it got. And I, and and listen, I understand that. I'm not saying I don't understand it. I'm just curious how it got tied into the religions. That's the thing. And so this was incredibly informative. Uh, but the Catholic angle, I still, I still don't know. So if somebody does know T McKernan at inside stl.com, um, let's see here. Boy, we got so many emails, Pete. We're, we're in a different world here with how many we're getting this stuff. And a lot of them call in the erotic story. <laughs> Tim and Smoke, I sent my erotic story back a few weeks ago. I know you boys are being flooded with these, so this may have been passed over. But I wanted to follow up anyway and hope you see the original email in the process. I thought we read this, but maybe we didn't. This was the one about the guy who's living with the, the girl and she engaged in lesbianism after a breakup. Did I read that? Is that the one where they're at the apartment complex? And the little red fire truck factored in? I don't know. It's not ringing a bell. Okay. My update. I don't know if I want to read the name, but uh, Stacy is banging everything that moves. Men, <laughs> women, her ex. I'm aware of it every time because once again, Stacy is quite the screamer. I don't even care about names of these people coming into my house at this point. I just wake up and see what car's outside, and that narrows down who it is. The funny part of this is she seems to be doing this behind each hookup's back. None of them know about each other. It's just a matter of time before this gets hotter or goes wildly off the rails. Speaking of hotter, more popular MMF has not occurred yet, and honestly, I feel she's closer to having an FFF before anything else, and when she does, you boys will be the first to hear about it. As always, love the show, love the podcast, and stay cute. That's from the Kansas City Hoosier. I appreciate the FFF heads up. Yeah, now Stacy's is, I guess, his roommate, and uh, she went out on a date after breaking up with her boyfriend with a girl, and they hooked up, and he could hear it, but they had to go in the shower to engage because of mutual little red fire trucks. All right, gotcha now. Yep. And he included in this email, also fun fact, I don't know if I want to read this because now it's like, what if this is back to his roommate? <laughs> so I'm not going to read it, but it's pretty amusing. I guess it's one of those I have to tell you off the air. <laughs> uh, let's see. Boy, we got some good emails and I just can't read them all because I feel bad. It's 1215 and Pete's been sitting here for, uh, P 
Pete's links and exorcism is the title of this email. Um, well, this is good. All right. I'll finish with this. Cause I, then there's one that says wife threesome negotiation. I really wanted to get into that one, but I, <laughs> we'll just save that one. Uh, Tim and gangster Pete hope all is well. I have two thoughts for you. I'd like to share first gangster Pete's incredible links that he sends into the show about hot, but troublesome relationship <laughs> problems often come from across the pond. Many of them seem to lead to doing the deed quicker than one may think, in my opinion. I was recently listening to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. You ever listen to that? I've listened to an episode or two. How is it? I understand it's very popular. Uh, yeah. I mean... Doesn't sound like you're a fan. No, it's fine. I think it's fine. What's I, your deal with it? I can tell you're not a fan. What do you no, think? It's kind I of just, I just, There's just a lot of other podcasts I'd rather listen to. Okay. Yeah, there's so much out there. Uh, his guest was Amelia Clark. Khaleesi, right? Love her. Oh, she's so beautiful. You know what she has, Gangster P? I'll tell you what What's she has. That? Smiling eyes. She does have smiling eyes. Smiling eyes. eyes. That's well said. Smiling eyes are a huge thing for I me. Agree. You don't find them too often. Mm -hmm. Smile, and I, and honestly, I shouldn't associate with one with smiling eyes because all I will do will destroy their happiness. <laughs> That's what the effect I have. I will destroy their smiling now eyes. Now you have dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his guest was Amelia Clark, and he asked her about how courtship and hookups are different in the U.S. versus the U.K. She said it definitely is. The U.K. doesn't have the first base, second base, third base system. Rather, they tend to just go to the end right away. I've they, heard that. I didn't even know that we have a first base. I mean, you did like in high school. Is well, this shit still going on? I mean, yeah. I really? Mean, it just depends on the situation. Is that because women don't want to be considered easy? Is that the deal? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess they want to be courted. So they don't really. So this is going on. Yeah, I mean, like like, I'm watching Leave It to Beaver. If you pick up a girl at a bar, I mean, you're probably going straight to it. Right. But like, if you're like dating, go, go on a couple of dates. Like a lot of times, they won't give it up on the first night. I know this might sound fucked up. I don't think I have gone on a date this century. I went on one in Little Rock when I first got there, and it, I mean, because everybody, they, they've always just been people I know. And then I wind up either going out with them or marrying them you know <laughs> yep it's you're just, a relationship guy. i'm a relationship guy not like intentionally but that's the way that it works i guess there's got to be something going on there uh i mean at this point i've been with anna marie for 12 years but uh yeah i mean for real like i don't even know like how a dating process would work it i mean I assume it'd be apps right i mean yeah that the way apps, that all goes friends in? of friends things like yeah. that uh, she said it definitely is the uk doesn't have the first base second base third base system rather they tend to just go to the end right away. They go into more detail, and the whole conversation with her is a good listen. Not really a question here, but I think it's funny the hookup differences between the U.S. and the U.K. was brought up on Armchair Expert, and I immediately thought of Pete's links. I feel like this topic, and maybe even this podcast, has been discussed before. If so, I apologize. I don't think we've ever talked about it. I'm aware Dax Shepard has a podcast. I've never listened to it. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm checking that episode out. Uh, yeah, I would, too, just because of her. Yeah. Secondly, on last week's episode, someone noted they were raised religiously, but now don't know what to do with their kids in terms of religious schools and more immediately baptism. My wife and I were both raised Catholic and had some Catholic education. We are pretty set on public schools for cost reasons, and we could care less about the status ordeal. However, when it comes to the baptism, I have a very weird concern. Neither my wife or myself intend to raise our kid Catholic, and we feel we shouldn't have the kid baptized. That said, I am superstitious, and about 30% of me thinks we should we should so the kid doesn't get possessed. 
I am not going to ask you both if this has crossed either of your minds. When the wife and I talk about this after a few drinks, I do bring this up and she tells me I am a moron. <laughs> Knowing we won't get our kids slash kids baptized worries me as this will be in the back of my mind until I am dead. Thanks. I'm the Sultan of duck butter. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I read the first part of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember reading this one, but I forgot about that part. So I remember the Amelia Clark part, and I didn't know this. I mean, I've never been to Europe. I'm just not a well-traveled gentleman. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. I certainly would be more in the European hookup way. What was what am I going to do? Like heavy pet you? Like, and then the next time we go to dinner, I like engage in digital play. Is that what goes on? I mean, is that what? Well, I don't. Going? I don't think there's like there's like specific a staggered steps. Step. It just depends yeah. on the situation. I, mean, I remember that in high school. Well, um, yeah, God, that'd be all. I can't imagine now. I mean, if I were dating now, I'd be done though. <laughs> I, I, I'd be done. I tell Henry this: that if anything were to happen, I said, "Here's the deal." I'd be like Biff. That's honestly what I would be. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'd, I'd, I'd be with the bartenders and that's what I would do. That's where I am. That's, that's where I am. So the dating thing, but I would, you know, so I'm thinking it's like, be, I'd be dating, especially if I'm in St. Louis, 40 something, I guess, or 30 something divorced women. And I can't imagine like, you know, they'd be like, hold on, you can't, we can't, you know, you can't take off my draws, you know? <laughs> well, I think that's a different situation. Okay. Cause I don't know what's going on. I'm so I, I and, it, and it, and it just hit me that I haven't been on a date since the 1990s. It just hit me, but I haven't been on many dates period. So the Amelia Clark thing, I don't know what's going on there. I hear in, in general regarding the United States and sexuality. I think there was a lot of sex shaming. Yeah. I just think, think there's less stigma over there. Yeah. And I, and it's just like, I, and that's, that's what I said at the beginning when the guy asked about the, the number thing, it's just like, I, I just don't view that as a thing. If anything, it's like, I want my son and I know this might sound fucking weird, but I want him to have multiple partners and be happy. I just want him to be responsible, use protection, and not be dishonest with his significant other. That's 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 it. Treat them well, you know? I don't want him to go, oh, I hope he only has sex with one person. I mean, <laughs> if anything, I'd be like, oh, that's fucking awful. I feel terribly, you know? Which I know might sound incredibly weird, but to me, I'm like, this is what I think, you know? And I really feel this way. Uh but I mean, there might be parents in the United States going, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying this. I don't know. This is how I really do feel. Uh, then, then regarding the Catholic education thing and then the baptism thing, you know, we we had our son baptized. Certainly if, if we wouldn't have had family members asking about it or reminding us about it, it wouldn't have crossed our minds just because it doesn't cross our minds. It's not a part of our lives. So... As I said last week, here's how, and, and again, it's one of those things that I'm saying that if, if you're looking for trouble, you can find it. But I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a place of honesty and it's not intended to be malicious or mean spirited. If it means nothing to you, then, and there, there, then there's no downside that that's where I, so like, the, so that's how, that's how I rationalize the baptism, but it did mean something to my wife's parents and my parents. And so that brought them some semblance of happiness for me and Anna Marie. It's a ceremony, but it doesn't mean it. It's not, we're not committing Jameson to anything, you know, now some people might go, Oh, well, he's baptized Lutheran. So therefore, and it's like, okay, I guess, I mean, if that's, but, but I mean, it, for us, it was more for family. It wasn't for, well, this is very important that, that he is baptized because is this, the Sultan of Duckbutter said, I'm worried he's going to get possessed. 
that didn't cross our mind <laughs> at any time. But I have to say, even though I realize, like he said, his wife calls him a moron for for saying that, that I know a lot of that. That's a that's a reason why a lot of people do things. And in to, you know, it's like when whenever like number of Americans, percentage of Americans who believe in angels. And I'm not saying it to mock it. It's just like, for me, it's not even like on the, you know, it's not even on the, it's not even possible in my mind. And yet I think I'm in the minority in the United States. I think more people believe in angels than don't in the United States. And I'm sure those who believe in angels hear me say this and go, boy, it's a real shame you don't believe in angels. And then there are other people who would be like, who believes in angels? But I know people, there are people who do. And so for me to go, wow, you're so stupid because you believe in angels would be really a shitty thing to say. That's why I always say when Bill Maher talks about religion, I think he does himself a disservice by shitting on it. I think he can make a more compelling case if he really, I mean, I, I guess he doesn't really care. If, it's kind of like me with I don't care if the people listen to the show or not with regard to like the hardcore sports fans. So maybe he doesn't care. He doesn't want the religious people listening anyway and they're going to motherfuck him as it is so he can't win. But with, with regard to it for me, that's that's how I felt about it. That's how my why we talk about it. We talked about it over this weekend, actually, again, um, with regard to his education. Uh, just the two of us is bullshitting about it. So it's a real thing, um, and it's interesting. And, you know, one of the things that we are hearing is with regard to community, you know, there's just a, there's a difference with certain schools versus others in people's opinions from their experiences. Um. And again, I often say this with regard to the Catholic teachings, I couldn't be on board with as far as the teaching. The teachings are beautiful. They're wonderful life lessons. I think a number of religions have these kinds of teachings. It's the hijacking of the religion to then justify selfish and or discriminatory behavior that I have zero use for. And fuck those who utilize it. <laughs> it's gross. It's so gross. Like if, if Jesus really is the savior. And if all of these things that are, that are written about in the Bible are true, I think he would come back. And some of the people who proclaim themselves to be the biggest Christians in the United States in 2020, he'd go, these are the people I was warning you about 2000 years ago. I have zero interest in that. It's grotesque to me to use that to justify actions. That's where I am. When people ask, well, why are you supporter of the democratic party? I'm like, I'm not, but I'm not a supporter of people using religion to cast away those who they feel are not on the side of God. Who are you to say? So with regard to the possessing thing, if that really does bother you, I would have the child baptized. I know that might sound strange coming from me, but that is, that is what I would advise. If you are truly worried that the kid may be possessed or might be on his way to hell because he hasn't been baptized. And I know a lot of people believe that probably not a high percentage of those who listen to this particular show <laughs> But I know a lot of people believe it, you know, I mean, and, and, I'm, and who am I to mock it? It's not like I know. I, I don't know. I just know that's how I personally feel. And I would love it. I would love it if I find religion. I would love it. I don't see how that's going to happen, but I would love it if I did. I think it'd be a much more pleasant way to go through life. Um, so if it's bothering you, I advise getting the child baptized. All right, uh, Gangster Pete, I want to make sure that uh, we tell the people that they can uh, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com for their questions, their comments, their opinions, and as is now becoming all the rage, their erotic stories. Uh, please be true. 
uh, I don't need you to like, you know, try out for penthouse forum in my inbox, you know, whatever happened, happened. And you might be proud of it. You might be ashamed of it. Might be amusing, might be hot. I don't know. We enjoy them. I like the questions as well. And I like the opinions and I still want hate mail. Uh, but, uh, those usually just come from the AOL accounts, but if you want to send it in and we can read it, just motherfucking me probably won't get, won't get it read <laughs> though. We want something that like presents a here, here's why I disagree. Here's why I think you're wrong. And I'm all for it. I think I gave you plenty of, uh, red meat for that today. Uh, team McKernan at inside com. Thank you to our sponsors, the home loan expert.com James Carlton, the Carlton state farm insurance agency restoration, one Jim Rogers and Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Uh, he saved the day for me with my basement. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com, and Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at EvergreenSTL.com. Telling you, I don't know if you got your taxes taken care of. Now we're only ten days away uh, as things stand right now, and uh, you want to make sure you're organized. And that's where Mark comes into play. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's online at evergreenstl.com. Everybody needs somebody to lean on when it comes to financial advice. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies is that person. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And uh, thank you to Munganest for now getting on board here with the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Munganest, St. Louis Acura, where precision meets performance, or you can visit the Alton Toyota store to see their new lineup and how it's turning heads. Plus, they have a huge selection, over 200 pre-owned cars, anything and everything you could want at Munganast. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Don't forget, we have questions from the audience every week and the Pick 6. And if you're interested in recording a sound story with a family member for the holidays or just for in general, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.